Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical, biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Hey, back in the day, you know, expectant fathers were not allowed in the delivery room, and uh, so they were in the waiting room. And there was a group of fathers out there. Their wives were in the process of giving birth. And so they were out there. And a nurse came in and announced to one man, she said, hey, your wife has just given birth to twins. And he said, wow, that's pretty amazing. I play baseball for the Minnesota Twins. A couple minutes later, the same nurse came out and announced to another man. She said, well, you're the proud father of triplets. And he said, wow, that's even more amazing. I work for the 3M company. About that time, the guy across the room falls over out of the chair because the hyperventilate laying on the floor. She runs over to him and says, sir, are you okay? He said, no, I work for 7-Up. (laughs) Some of you will get it later. Get your Bible out, would you, and turn it on and... Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, 11th chapter. I told the service last, last service, I won't hold you long. That's what Elizabeth Taylor told husband number six, <laughs> which was true. But I do want to give you a faith-building message that will lay the foundation for what God's going to do tonight out in the park, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, when Pastor called me, and I've known Pastor and Jen for a long time, and uh, you are blessed. You are blessed. I'm telling you, to have them here, you guys are blessed. Amen? So awesome. But we began praying about these services, and the Holy Spirit dropped a word in my heart that kind of categorizes the entire week. The word is simple. Ignite. Ignite. And the Lord showed me through prayer that this church is about to go through a window of opportunity prophetically in the next two years that if we don't ignite a passion for God, if we don't ignite a passion through our men, we may miss that opportunity. And so I want to speak to you on the blessing or the Father's blessing. To ignite a fresh passion in each and every one of us, but especially in the hearts of our men. A passion to serve God. A passion to serve our families. And a passion to do what God has called us to do. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The 11th chapter, the 21st verse, it says this. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. Jacob provides the most descriptive example in scripture of a father blessing their children, but also his grandchildren. As he's nearing his death, he gathered the family together and he blessed his sons and also his grandsons who were fathered by Joseph. As parents, we have the ability to impact our children like no one else can. 
while the mother's role of nurturing and caring is vitally important, without the father's approval, without the grandfather's approval, your child will feel a void. Every person needs the blessing from their father. Many adults still struggle today with low self-esteem. They would never admit it openly, but it's the truth nonetheless that they are struggling with these things. And it'll blow your mind the amount of star athletes who are struggling with low self-esteem or business people or people you would never imagine who are constantly working and striving and pushing and trying to prove to themselves and everyone else that they are good enough that they have something to offer in this life. And if they were honest with you, they will say, well, it's be you know, my father never gave me any affirmation. He never told me I'm proud of you. He never made me feel approved. So they're still trying to measure up and gain the approval that can only come from the father's blessing. Fathers, we have something to give our children that no one else can. As a father, you have been given the God-given authority to bless your child, to bless your son, to bless your daughter. And if they are married, to even bless their daughter-in-law and the son-in-law and the grandchildren. Every time you say, I'm proud of you, I love you, you're gorgeous, you're handsome, you're beautiful, you're gifted, God releases his strength into that person. They receive from you not only the knowledge that you love them, but they also receive a sense of self-worth, a sense of value, confidence, and security. Now, these are just not nice words. It's what the Bible calls the blessing. You're propelling your child toward their God-given destiny, towards their God-given purpose. And I believe in America, America needs dads more than we've ever needed them before simply because of what we are facing in a culture. While the Marine Corps slogan is looking for a few good men, I believe the new slogan here at People's Church needs to be, we are looking for a whole lot of godly men to rise up and do the thing that God is calling us to do. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands and praise it. Yeah. Now, a few years ago, LA Time Magazine ran an article about the invisible dad. The article pointed out that many American men are disconnecting from their family and their family unit, and society is paying a very high price. The article went on to say, consider the two, two of the nation's most serious problems, crime and teenage pregnancy. Studies show that the most reliable predictor of these behaviors is not income though the liberal media would tell you otherwise. It's not race, though they would tell you otherwise. No, it's the family structure. Teenage pregnant girls and criminal teenage boys tend to come from fatherless homes. Christian pollster George Barna said, an astonishing 70% of imprisoned minors have spent the majority of their lives without their father. The article from L.A. Time magazine went on to quote a man by the name of Father Gregory Boyle, a Catholic priest in East Los Angeles. He spent 40 years of his ministry trying to reach the gangs of South Central Los Angeles. Father Boyle once wrote down the names of 100 gang members who he knew and ministered to personally. And next to their names, he wrote down a little of their family history. 
He was shocked to realize that 95 out of the 100 boys on his ministry list, that they were not currently living with their father or they never knew their father even existed. Friends, that is so important because they are a visible link between their children and the father in heaven. Let me say that again. Dads and granddads, we are so important because we are a visible link between the children and our Father in heaven. See, many of the attitudes children will develop towards God will be connected to the ones they have toward their Father. So the potential impact of a good and godly father or grandfather is immeasurable in this current culture. I know we're all very busy, and I know it's easy to get sidetracked, and even on odds with our teenager or our adult children, they may not be living right, they may not be doing right, and so we may think, well, when they straighten up, I'll be nicer. When I'm not busy, I'll spend more time with them. Someone might be thinking, well, come on, Randy. I told my kids I loved them 20 years ago when I brought them home from the hospital. No, sir, they need to hear it again and again and again. You're the father. You're the grandfather. You carry the blessing. Don't withhold your love, your affection, your approval. Now, I know there are many who never received the blessing from your father. Maybe he wasn't around. And when he was growing up, he was this authoritarian figure that always had you under his thumb he never told you that you were good. He was always telling you everything you did wrong. He didn't show affection or make you feel valuable. Listen to me, friend. Don't let that negative cycle get passed on to the next generation. As a child of God, the very moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the very moment you realize that I'm a sinner that needs to be saved by grace, the very same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God comes to live inside of you. You have the power and the authority through the power of the Holy Spirit to break every cycle of dysfunction in your life. Behold, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new again. If you believe that, come on, clap your hands and praise Him. Yes. As a man that has God living within them in the form of the Holy Spirit. Sir, let me tell you, you've been cut from the same cloth of Jeremiah and Enoch and Job. You've been cut from the same cloth of David the giant slayer. In you is the power of the Holy Spirit of God that came into the Acts, the second chapter, in an upper room. You are a child of the Almighty God. You can break the dysfunction by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God has called us to through the power of the Holy Spirit to break that cycle. And you can be the difference maker and set a new standard in your family by blessing your children. Now the blessing I'm speaking about is not simply financial or materialistic. Though the Bible does call us as fathers to take care of our families financially. And we could spend a whole series of messages on that in and of itself. But the Bible teaches that we are to take care of them in that way. No, the blessing I'm speaking about, guys, goes much further than finances. Because so many guys today, they say, well, hey, listen, I go to work, I take care of them, I put a roof over their head, there's nothing more I need to do. You couldn't be further from the truth. 
The blessing I'm speaking about goes much further. The blessing I'm talking about and what the Bible teaches starts by you calling out the seeds of their greatness. Well, how do I call out the seeds of their greatness? By telling them what they can become in the life and the power of the Holy Spirit. By telling them what they can become because Jesus Christ is alive and well in them. And praying over them and prophesying to their future. That's what prayer is, prophesying to their future. Prayer is literally prophesying to their future if you pray correctly. So uh, the prayer I'm speaking about would sound something like this. Lord, I pray that my son and daughter would fulfill the promise in Acts, the second chapter. that says in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Lord, that they would be would rise up with the purpose and the plan of God on their life. Lord, that they would be more of a threat to hell than hell is a threat to them. Lord, that they would rise up with the godly favor and godly blessing and the hand of God on their life. Lord, give them a godly influence in a lost and dying culture. Give them influence on their job. Give them influence in their school. Give them influence in the marketplace. And Father, as I am praying now, I'm praying you give them a godly spouse, a godly wife, a godly husband that will stand alongside of them and raise godly children. And the presence of Almighty God would radiate in their home as they would realize I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Do you believe that right now? Yeah. And there may be someone saying, well, Randy, why do we need to pray that way? Because we are dealing with an American culture and an environment that is far more destructive than anything that was brought to bear on you and I in the years of our upbringing. And as fathers, we can pray for an outpouring of God's spirit upon the children, the children that are under age 10, the teenagers that have not reached age 20. The young people in their late 20s and 30s, they have undergone a shaping in an environment that is far more destructive and bodes the future with far less hope and filled with far more confusion than anything that shaped us irrespective of how disturbed or destructive any one of our personal backgrounds may have been. And friend, that's not a matter of hanging words of despair. It's a matter of looking at the facts of our current culture and our environment and what it's doing to our children and the very fabric of the American culture. And tearing down the Judeo-Christian ethic. They're being raised in it as well. Moreover, it gives us as fathers a clear directive from the Lord. And that directive is to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this next generation. Would you say that with me? Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the next generation. Say it again. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Because we are constantly swimming upstream against a culture with no morals, ethics, or integrity. Let me say, stop and say right here. That we are currently living in a culture that is so confused. They, they are so full of fear and doubt. But there is no confusion in heaven. And there's no gender confusion in heaven. The Bible says that God created you male and female. 
He saw you, the book of Jeremiah said, before you were even formed. He saw that life force. He said, I've got a purpose. I've got a plan for you. Every young lady, you hear me. Every young man, you hear me. It's God that selects your hair color. It's God that selects your eye color. It's God that selects your gender. It's God that selects your heritage. He's proud of you. You don't have to look to TikTok. You don't have to look to Facebook. You don't have to look to Instagram. You look to Genesis to the Revelation. You are a child of Almighty God. If you believe that, come on, clap your hands and praise Him that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Come on, people, church. Somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. Yes. And gentlemen, the reason God is calling us to this battle is God always looks for a man. God always looks to the man. And we are living in a time in a spirit of darkness. And only an outpouring of the Holy Spirit can neutralize that which is coming with such destruction. Would you agree with me that we are pressed by evil times? Oppressed by dark circumstances? Would you agree that we are being shaped in an environment of lost values? And the Bible says in the last days demon or evil or ferocious times will come. Now, those series of words I use to define the times are words that are wrapped up in the Greek text of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, where it says, in the last days, perilous times shall come, or dangerous times shall come. Now, the word that is laden there, or the word that is used there is laden with everything demonic or satanic. And the Bible speaks of the last days where there will be gross darkness. If you will recall Israel, before their deliverance from Egypt, they were in a culture where darkness came, and Scripture says it was darkness that could be felt. If you don't understand that statement, on May 22, 2022, Satan stepped up his attack as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos. Fatally shot 19 students two teachers, and wounded 17 other people at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Earlier in the day, he shot and killed his grandmother over a disputed phone bill. It was darkness that still can be felt. But let's not let the moment pass without taking a hard look at the whole story. Because this Texas tragedy is a tragedy on multiple levels Innocent lives were taken mercilessly. And yes, the gun control advocates have jumped on the bandwagon and they have focused everything on by saying it was gun availability as the root problem. And I sat in my office and I was watching that and I said, wait, 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 <laughs> really? Are you telling me that this root problem of what's taking place in our schoolyard slaughters in areas in Portland, Oregon? Are you telling me that what's taking place in Chicago on the east side and the west side, murder capital of the world right now, Chicago, Illinois, the strictest gun laws in the history of America? Are you telling me that what's happening right now in San Francisco, California, that people are pulling up to the stop signs and these marauding young people are breaking windows during the day and pulling them out of their cars? Are you telling me that's because the root cause of it is gun availability? Could there be something more? 
See, if you read about the information coming out of this, about the shooter, sadly you can see this tragedy started years ago. And I'm, I am in no way excusing what this gunman did, and each one of us must take responsibility for our own actions. And there is no doubt in my mind that what this young man did was nothing more than pure evil. However, this tragedy is far more complex than gun control. It is societal, it is cultural, and it is spiritual. And this young man was born into a single-parent home. His mother was reportedly on drugs. Dad was a criminal record, never mentioned in his life. He stuttered in middle school and elementary school. Could not speak well, and so he was mercilessly bullied in elementary school, junior high, and high school. An introvert by nature, he was left to his own selfish, destructive psychosis. Now listen, thank God that everyone who has a tough childhood does not become a mass murderer. I'll say that again. I'm not saying that everyone that has a tough childhood becomes a mass murderer. Because many of us had a tough childhood, and by the grace of God, God has kept us and has put us on that solid rock. However, I will say that young men like this and the current culture that we are living in are easy pickings for the devil. For the very nature of Satan is to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. And this tragedy started with a father and a mother who could not get their own life together. And we're living in a time where darkness can be felt. Now add the war in Ukraine that's constantly being bombarded on the news media, political correctness. Now add all of the stuff that are happening politically with the midterm elections, the shooting at the church in California where a Taiwanese church in Laguna Woods, California was infiltrated by a gunman and he shot several people. Add to that shooting at the Topps grocery store in Detroit, Michigan. This all happened within the last year or two and the George Floyd riots, the COVID-19 fear and doubt. Do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Can we go here? Can we go there? Should we take the shot? Should we not take the shot? I mean, all this mass confusion. Now add upon that the gender confusion and the gender roles and everything that's taking place in our public schools. And our children are living at the height and the destructive nature of America. And it affects you and I as well, but friends, our children are being raised at the highest point of intensity. Dads, you hear me. We can encounter that spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit. And your home can be a shelter against the chaos, the fear, the confusion, the doubt, the worry of a current culture. Your home can be a harbor of safety. Your home can be a harbor of the power of God. That when the devil comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit raises up a new standard. As the man and the priest of the home says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And based upon our God-given role as the priest of our home, we must pray for an overflow of divine grace and power in the midst of this decay. Oh, do you agree with me? That we need to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the next generation. Come on, let's say that together, People's Church. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the next generation.
Say it again. Pray of the Holy Spirit on the next generation. Listen, let your kids know you are their number one fan. Even if they're adults. When you see them in the morning, give them a hug. Don't let them pass by without showing your affection. There's not a morning that goes by when I'm home that I don't hug my kids. And my kids are adults. I hug them every morning. Why? Because they're still living there. <laughs> it's a blessing that I did not ask for. But it's a blessing nonetheless. And my son Morgan, he's 6'3", he's 30 years old, still single ladies, got long black hair, good looking, got a good job, really good job, still lives at home. And he'll come down the hallway and I'll hug him and he's 6'3", and I'm not, and I, I bury my head in his chest and he pats me on the head. And I'll say, I love you, son. He said, I know, Pop, love you too. So I'm taking applications for any young lady. Sometimes we are raised to think we are men. We don't express our feelings or show emotion because we're men. We don't hug our families. That would make us look weak. No, it's just the opposite, bro. When you show your feelings, you are strong. Listen, brother, real men hug their children. Real men show affection and show their family they are valuable. Real men go out of their way to show their children and their wife that they are loved, that they are needed. Real men understand that in their marriage relationship, there is a difference between affection and intimacy. And affection and intimacy, sir, is not sex. Real quiet. <laughs> no, real fathers and real men, they show that they love. When I speak to men, I hear, I hear this all the time. Well, pastor, I had all these great plans. I had all these great things I was going to do. Then I got married. No, you dummy. You had all those great plans, and God realized you couldn't get there on your own, so he gave you a family. And he gave you a helpmate so that she could come alongside of you and push you towards your God-given purpose and goal. Listen, fathers, our children and our wives have been given to us as a gift. God has entrusted you with his most prized possession. And he's counting on you as the father or the grandfather to give them the blessing. Your approval, your love, your affirmation can carry more weight than any football coach, any teacher. And the tragedy is, guys, for some reason, we think, well, I'm sending them to youth group. Let the youth pastor do it. I'm sending them here. Let them do it. No. What they do is amazing, but it does not carry the weight that you carry. Listen, there are reasons why people are insecure, angry, overly competitive, promiscuous. So many times in counseling, they come to the office, you know, and, or I'll be talking to them uh, via web page or whatever and webcams. And after we talk together, they'll admit to me, well, my father never acknowledged my success. Now, that could be a cop-out or it could be the truth. What a difference it would make if their fathers would just pick up the phone and send a text. 
in that text, you don't have to go into detail, guys. Just say something like, have I told you how amazing you are? Have I told you how much I love you? Have I told you I'm, you're the most, you're so good looking. I'm so glad you look like your mother. It seems so simple, yet it carries so much weight. The father who faithfully stands beside his wife and children is becoming more and more a rarity in our society. George Barna again, the Christian pollster, he says that the average American marriage today is two and a half years. Carlene and I will be celebrating 34 years of marriage and 35 years of ministry on November the 4th. Yeah. And I told her, I prayed for Mrs. Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. <laughs> you have one just like that, Pastor. Novelist and poet jo Josiah Holland, he had it right when he said, God, give us godly men. Let me say it again. I believe America needs dads more than we ever needed them before because of what we are facing today. And sadly, many children do not honor their parents simply because their parents are not very honorable. In today's culture, many adults have grown up and they, say many adults have never grown up themselves. And they've abandoned their responsibility to their parents and they're out in the nightclub getting their jiggy on. They're just... 35 years old, getting their jiggy on. Meanwhile, grandma's raising their kids. And it's sad that in many areas, they call grandma mom and mom Pam. This is why Andrew Murray said the secret of home life, the secret of home rule is self-rule. First, building a relationship with God for ourselves, modeling what we want our children to become. Our children must see the gospel lived out as well as preached. And every one of us, deep down inside, are longing for our Father's blessing. It's something that we're born with, guys, even as little children on the playground. There could be 20 adults standing around, but if Dad shows up, Hey, Dad, look at me. See how fast I can run, Dad? See how high I jump, Dad? Hey, hey, Daddy, did you see this? Hey, Dad, did you see that? And you know you could be 40 years old and you're still longing for your dad to say, that's good, man, that's great. Because at 40, many of you are just like, you're, you're human. And, hey, dad, did you see how I'm raising my kids? Hey, dad, do you see how I'm taking care of my family? Hey, dad, do you see how I'm honoring God in my life? When it's our dad, it takes on a whole new meaning. Let me also say, grandfathers, you can play a major role in the lives of your grandchildren. Maybe their father is not there for them. Your words spoken into your grandchildren carry the blessing as well. Notice in the scripture it says, It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. He was speaking into the lives of his children and his grandchildren. Your children may be 50 years old, but deep down they're still saying, hey, watch me, Dad. Fathers, here's the good news. It's never too late to bless your kids. Today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the day of new beginnings. Your validation of their accomplishments. They can bring healing 
and wholeness and set them on a brand new path. I heard a story, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. We'll call him Steve. He grew up with an alcoholic father in a small rural faith or farm community in the Midwest. His dad was the town drunk, and Steve was a star football player at the high school. He was an All-American and went on to play in college. Football is what he lived for, but in spite of all of his accomplishments, deep down inside, there was a void that was missing. As far as he knew, his dad had never been to any one of his football games. Even though his father was an alcoholic, Steve longed for his father's approval. Years later, he did find out that his dad did attend every one of his games, but dad would go to the top of the football stadium so he wouldn't embarrass his son. They didn't have much of a relationship. Well, after high school, he went to college, and he received a scholarship to play in college, and then after college, he went to seminary, and he became the pastor of a well-known church. And one day, he received a phone call that his father had a major, massive heart attack, and his sister said, Dad is about to die. You need to come see him. So he ran across town to see Dad. As he walked in, he realized that Dad was coming in and out of consciousness because of all of the medication, and Dad wasn't really all there, and he mistook Steve for the cardiologist. He thought Steve was his doctor. And so when he saw him, he said, hey, doc, have I ever told you about my son, Steve? He was a star football player. He led the league in tackles. And he pastors one of the greatest churches in our area. And he went on and on to brag about his son to his son, thinking his son was the doctor. That day, he heard the words that he'd waited for for 35 years. It was like a healing bomb, Steve said. He was re it was released on the inside of him. It filled the void that only a father could fill. And some would say, well, come on, Pastor Randy. You know, the guy was an alcoholic. Why should he even care about what he thinks about him? Just blow him off, let him go. No. The father holds a blessing that is a strategic piece to your life puzzle. Maybe like Steve's father, you have not been there for your children. You've had struggles and issues, and now you think, my children don't need me anymore. And you're thinking, come on, Randy, I burned all those bridges, bro. I have made poor choices. They're doing pretty good. They don't need me. No, just like Steve, they need your approval. Don't withhold a blessing. I need to stop right here and confess I'm not the perfect husband, nor am I the perfect father. I know that's shocking, but I'm not. Just ask my wife, or she'll tell you. In fact, she was with me years ago when the kids were little. I didn't share the, the, other, the other services, and the kids were like two or three years old, and she was with me in a revival, like a church like this, and uh, when the nursery attendants found out she was in the nursery, they all thanked her and went into the service and left her with all the kids. And so I was preaching my heart out and singing and laying hands on people. And the center door of the church opened kind of like this. And there she was. She had one hanging here. The other one was doing the wet noodle. She was holding the other. Her hair was sticking up four different ways. And she went like this. So I walked around and she said this. And I quote, if another person comes to the nursery and tells me how wonderfully anointed you are, I'm going to tell them the truth. Shut this thing down now. 
I said, gotta go, guys. Gotta go to the hotel. There's no anointing in the nursery. <laughs> it's an anointing of another kind, believe me. And so, listen, and there, there are times that I feel overwhelmed. There, there are times that I feel ill-equipped. And I've learned in 34 years of marriage and 35 years of ministry to stop at that very moment and say, Holy Spirit, whoo, baby, I need you. I need words of comfort, of exhortation, of sensitive counsel. Lord, I feel overwhelmed. I, I need you to come from within me and rest upon me. Lord, I need you to teach me. Listen to me, guys. It's better to be a learning dad than an absent dad. I often try to live by the phrase that I learned years ago. It's not what we say. It's what we do because it's who we are. It's not what we say. It's what we do because it's who we are. My three sons came to me. Sounds like a television program. We probably should make it. My three you're too young. You don't understand. And they came, they came to me during the summer, and they said, hey, Dad, let's go to the movies. And against my better judgment, I said, sure, let's go. They said, we'll even pay for it, which is a miracle in and of itself. And so I got the popcorn. I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm wondering where they are. And, and they came in just as the movie started. And all three of them sat and so the screen is here, but all three of them turn this way, and they're looking right at me. So the screen is here, I'm here and they're looking at me. And, I'm, and I'm see, I see them out of my peripheral vision, and I'm thinking, okay, something's up. Within the first five, ten minutes of that movie, they're dropping F-bombs, they're sexual innuendos, and I'm starting to fume, right? And they're staring daggers at me. I turn to them, and I said, all right, you bunch of idiots. And they're grown adults. I'm going to give you two seconds to get up and get out of this place right now. So I stood up not knowing if they'd follow. I looked and they're here they came. We got to the lobby and just before I was about to tear into them, the youngest, the third, he looked at his two brothers and he said, okay, pay up. Pay up. I said, what's going on? They said, dad, we had a bet to see how long it would take for you to stand up and get out of this theater. I said, just because I'm smiling doesn't mean I'm not mad. And my oldest looked at me and he goes, hey, Pop, you've taught us all our life. It's not what we say. It's what we do. Because it's who we are. Who we are. <laughs> because at this stage in my children's life, we are dealing with life issues. No longer is it, hey, Johnny pulled my hair, or they didn't invite me over to the sleepover, Dad, or I didn't make the junior high peewee football team. Now it's life issues. And the greatest legacy we pass on as fathers is not our inheritance. It's not even our good name. In fact, I told all my four children, I said, listen, when I die, I'm going to leave each and every one of you an even distributed amount of my bills. true no the greatest thing we live believe is our spiritual heritage when king david was on his deathbed he said to his son as for you my son solomon know the god of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind for the lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent and the thoughts of man 
And if you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Remember, that's coming from a man that had an affair, an illicit love affair with a woman that was not his wife. That's coming from a man that had her husband killed. That's coming from a man that was a giant slayer and the great poet of Israel. He comes to the end of his life, he's laying on the bed, and he says, as for you, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. If you seek him, he'll be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. God has placed parents as the authorities in the life of children, and in many ways, we as fathers represent God to our children. That being the case, each father here today, no matter where you are in your relationship with your children, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, today is the day of new beginnings. Would you say that with me? Today is the day of new beginnings. Oh, come on, say it again. Today is the day of new beginnings. As I close, let me give you three scriptural references that I'm calling the men of this church. And I want you to be here Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. I believe Monday night I'll preach you that message on the lampstand. That a lampstand makes a church visible and viable to an entire region. That we are about to go into a window of opportunity in this congregation led by the men of our church. That we're about to see amazing things in the next two years. The culture is about to begin to change. And let me give you three scriptural references that I'm going to ask you to pray for. And by the way, you need to come out tonight. Unless God changes it, I'm going to preach about heaven. What's heaven like? What's it look like? Who will be there and who won't be there? Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to begin to pray as the priest of your home. Pray for the spirit of hope. Would you say that with me? Pray for a spirit of hope. As we call for an outpouring of the spirit, let us ask for the spirit of hope to rest upon our children, our grandchildren, and yes, guys, your son-in-laws. And your daughter-in-laws. I had a young man come to me, and he said, hey, pastor, you got a minute? I said, yeah. He said, uh, can you pray? Because I don't have a good relationship with my in-laws, and I don't know why. I go, you don't know why? He goes, no, I don't know why. I said, I know why. He said, why? I said, because they don't have an innate love for you. He said, what do you mean? I said, you'll understand that when you have children. That the very moment my first son was born, my Lord, I looked in that kid's eyes. He had hair that stuck out like a little gorilla. I mean, he was sticking up like this. He, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he roared. He, wah, he started screaming, and I had this love for him that I don't know where it came from. It's an innate love that God gives, and you think you can never love another like you love this one, and then you get the next one. We got four, and God gives you an innate love for each and every one of them. But the in-laws don't have that innate love. Because you're not of them. And so you have to ask for the Holy Spirit to give you a supernatural love. Oh, come on now. For your family members that maybe don't even deserve it. He looked at me with big tears in his eyes and he said, I'm going to begin to pray that. 
that God just give me a supernatural love. I said, yeah, pray for a spirit of hope. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And God says, I will give you a future and a hope and you won't be disappointed in that hope because my love is going to pour out into you by the Holy Spirit and by that flow of love in you. Two things are about to happen in this church. That love will beget intercession in prayer and that love will beget a tenderness of touch where you begin to reach out and you begin to love like Jesus loves. Even a mother-in-law. Even a father-in-law. Even a brother that did you dirty in a business deal. Second, pray for an outpouring of a spirit of faith. Second Corinthians 4.14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. The resurrection power of the Lord and the spirit of faith gives us confidence that there's no situation so dead. That where death is crowded in, there's, there's the promise of God turning that situation around. At the very least, in a person's life to the point that they look past every hopeless situation. With faith knowing that at any moment God can bring resurrection anointing. Glue your eyes right here as I close this thing. Friend, there is no disease God cannot heal. Friend, there is no human that God cannot save. There is no culture that God cannot reach. There is no family that God cannot restore. But we must pray for an outpouring of the spirit of faith to bring dead things back to life again. And lastly, pray for an outpouring of the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs 1 and 20, wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voices in the public square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. Stop right there. That's why Pastor Tom has us going to the park. We will be today in the public square, in a crowded street, in the gateway of the city, at the steps of a capital to make our speech known. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Wisdom poured out by the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom is the work of the spirit that will help our children learn how to live, how to make choices. Wisdom is not the accumulation of information. Mere education or knowledge is not what man needs. We got more knowledge and information than we know what to do with. No, no, wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge and cause it to work for you by the power of God. Wisdom shows you how to take knowledge and make it work. So pray for an outpouring of a spirit of wisdom to show our children, Lord, Show them how to live, how to make choices. Listen to me. It's going to take a supernatural move of God for you to stay married in these last days. It's going to take a supernatural move of God. And what God is about to do in this congregation in the next two to three years, oh, get ready, get ready, get ready. There's a window of opportunity like we've never seen. I mean, look around you at all the young families that are here. And the young families are saying, don't tell me what politically man says. Tell me what God says. Tell me what the Bible says. Remember, liberation comes because of an overlording of the anointing or the personality of the Lord in your life. I want every man, every boy, 
every nephew, every son, every father, every grandfather to stand right now. Right now. Right now. If you are male, I know in this generation that could be confusing. But if you are male, I want you to stand. Sir, I'm looking right at you. Let me tell you. If you're born again, if you've got Christ living in your life, the personality of the Holy Spirit is living in you. He wants to use you and out of you, he wants to flow that anointing. His anointing wants to flow out of you and sickness and healing or healing can flow out of you and he overlords it and sickness leaves. His anointing overlords demons and deliverance flows in your family. His anointing overlords depression and joy begins to flow. And I believe there are enough men in this room that we could start a Holy Ghost revival if we get serious and say, Lord, here I am. Take me in my insecurity. Take me in my doubt. Take me in anything I have. Lord, the abilities that you've given me, would you breathe on me, Lord? And by the grace of God, the things that I cannot do, you would do. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So at the count of three, if you mean business, guys, I'm going to ask you to step out from the balcony to the floor, and I'm going to ask you to run to this altar in just a moment. And with every step you're taking, you're saying, Lord, as for me and my house, it's a new beginning. It's a new day. Holy Spirit, change me. Use me. Anoint me. Send me. Ladies, you're about to experience the miracle of men rising up to the call of God. There's nothing like it in the history of the world that when men say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. At the count of three, you come, guys. You come. And let's make a stand for Jesus. One, don't miss him. Two, three, come right now. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Just come right now. Right now. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.